This is a reading I did for Noir at the Bar in Boston on May 12, 2016. For everyone pays. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to check this out. I appreciate your support of SethHarwood.com and I'm glad that you're listening to Everyone Pays. This is the similar section that I read in the Hawaii reading, but this one goes full on with the entire chapter, all the bloody details, all the gore. And let me just say that it is not safe for your minivans. So put those earmuffs on your kids. At the store where I read this, there was a woman who was eating a nice salad she had to put it away for a minute but she still decided to buy the book that was trident booksellers in boston on newberry street check it out when you have a chance but she still decided to get her copy i hope you'll pick up a copy too the reading for this event was at trident books on newberry street in boston if you want to get your own copy you can head over to amazon where you can pick up a print paperback or ebook for your Kindle. I hope you'll leave a five-star review while you're there. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Stay tuned after the reading for more from me. But now, here's my section from Noir at the Bar. There's a couple of pieces in this book that are a little bit dark. I got the audiobook and I was listening to it in the car and I felt like, yeah, this is a little bit dark. Um, maybe even for me, there were a couple chapters that I was jumping ahead. Uh, but I figure this is noir at the bar. You guys are prepared for noir, so you can handle it, right? Okay, good. All right, so uh, this is about a San Francisco homicide detective named Clara Donner. Our first call of the week took us to a man's apartment in the marina. Not the nicest place on the block even a little on the small side, but that had no bearing on the extent of what we found. The building was a four-story walk-up with the victim's place on the third. Small black and white square tile, squares tiled the downstairs hall, reminding me of the floors in lower Manhattan buildings where I grew up. I climbed the stairs with Hendrix behind me, neither of us dragging. It was only our first day on call. When we arrived at the apartment, uniformed officers in blue stepped aside to clear our path. I could see by their eyes that they were ready to turn this one over, get as far away from the scene as they could. A rookie I didn't recognize gave me a double take, confused about a woman working homicide, thinking I shouldn't walk into this kind of mess. Or maybe he could tell I didn't mind, I didn't mind and that's what caused his confusion. And I didn't mind, it was my job. I was a homicide investigator like my father before me, just on the other coast. It would have driven him mad to see a woman working these cases, and maybe that's why I got involved at first. Now I wouldn't give this up for the world. As we walked in, my favorite medical examiner met us in the hallway, Dr. Marlene Abaca, who always wore a smile, even in the worst situations. This was that rare occasion when she didn't. We all have our weaknesses, the things that get to us. God knows I have mine. Guy has his own dungeon in here, Donner, a real sleaze bag. She pointed at a bookcase just inside the entry. You'll want to check out this Vic's Picks. I found myself facing a shelf of Polaroids fe featuring skinny young blondes tied up and mostly nude or in various states of undress. A few had fresh cuts, blood dripping. 
bondage, S&M, torture. These could be bought in San Francisco like bread and milk, the rice of the streets. <coughs> Hendricks leaned in over my shoulder. Lovely citizen we got here, Donner. The kind of turd you like to bag and tag. Careful, I said. He was right. The guy who lived here, our victim in this case, was the kind of perp I loved to take down during my four years on vice. Now homicide put me on the other side of the line, investigating his killer, walking into a job I might have fantasized about doing myself. But I couldn't talk about that here, not even as a joke. One pick is missing, I said. There was a gap in the middle of the shelf, just the right size for another photo. Already in my notes, Ibaka said. Come on, you gotta see this. She led us off the hall into a side office that had been fitted with pads covering the walls and floor. A padded cell, his dungeon, no windows. One wall had handcuffs mounted high, medium, and low. The high ones had held the wrists of the women in his photos. With their arms raised, they'd have barely towed the floor. Thick black blood pooled in a corner. That his? Your lucky day. Ibaka pointed at more of the mess. All this came from the owner of this nice little enclave. I clapped my hands. Well, I'm done here. Hendrix? He laughed his fake laugh. Ha ha. Now we work this. You bet. I hit him on the shoulder. How old is the blood? We put the body at eight hours. Ibaka tilted her head toward the back of the apartment. Perp left him in the back, on his bed, but it looks like he did the business end of things in here. I wanted to spit get the stench and taste of the place out of my mouth, but couldn't contaminate the scene. The last thing I wanted was some tech picking up my DNA and submitting it, throwing a lawyer grounds for dismissal if we ever got to court. That and the jokes I'd hear about being one of this idiot's tricks. Instead, I hawked a greener into a coffee napkin from my pocket. That cleared the taste, but not the smell. Hendrick started back over the particulars. I'd read them out loud in the car, but sometimes going over them again at the, at the crime scene helped us develop our process. Victim is a white male, last of Piper, first of Jay, 34, lived alone, no criminal record, employed by a tech firm downtown, never married, no kids, blah, blah, blah. He scanned the notes. Upstairs tenant comes home, sees the Vic's door open, pokes his head in to make sure everything's okay. It isn't. He finds the blood in here, gets upset, runs home and calls the Northern. When they get on scene, they find the body and call us. Neighbors didn't stick around to see the body? Apparently not. Ibaka and I shook our heads. Our kind of curiosity was definitely not universal. Did I miss anything, Hendrick said? That. I pointed to the floor beneath the cuffs. What is it? Ibaka and I answered at the same time. It was one of the Vic's little toes. Jesus, Hendricks said. Then he crossed himself in apology. As a recovering alcoholic, he had only recently come to find religion. Looks like a left toe, if I had to guess. Abaka said, I was going to bag it, but figured you'd want to see the placement, get a sense for where it fell. You know, the pictures don't do these details justice. I winked at her. I know, live in the flesh. We smiled at one another, two women on a job we love, in departments that grudgingly acknowledged our existence. We each had each other, though, which was nice. I crouched to get a better look. Clean cut. Hendrick said, maybe our perp's a butcher. Not for this much meat, I said. Throw it on rice, this would barely qualify as a nigiri. 
Ibaka said, maybe a maki roll, one piece. She laughed, then went on. More of a torture sadist is my thinking, like turning the tables on his Vic. She knelt down by the wall, shining her flashlight on something small and pink. Check this out. I came over, saw what looked like a piece of a tongue. Took him apart in pieces, I said. Bloody lovely. That's nasty, Hendrick said. What is it? I pointed. See the taste buds there? Butcher. I looked up at him, shrugged. It's a theory. Around the tongue was more blood, by now half dried. This guy's trying to do something else with his cuts. He likes it. This is personal. Hendricks followed me around the room, taking notes as I ticked off what I saw. Blood spatters, footprints in socks, a lot of them from the same feet, the lack of a scuffle, blood and skin fragments left on the highest handcuffs, several kinds of whips and ticklers, unused, along with a series of gags in varying sizes and shapes in a corner, as well as a few pairs of extra handcuffs and some thick rope. Ibaka gestured toward the hall. Ready for the body? Most definitely. She led us to the back and inside Piper's bedroom. Three young male techs stood around our victim, who was laid out like he'd been taking a nap, except his throat was cut. The techs huddled over his face, shining little flashlights into his mouth. Something human stuck out of it. Some of you, I apologize to those of you that are eating. <laughs> about to get worse. <laughs> One said, looks like tendon. He held a forceps and a flashlight, leaned in even more over Piper. I got 20, says it's from an Achilles. Just hearing that word turned my blood cold. I felt my palms tingle as I remembered the pain and weakness I'd felt when my own Achilles had snapped in the state basketball finals against Chabot College. All I did was plant my right foot, then I heard a pop. I was never the same player again. Next thing, I was transferring from City College to Berkeley on the strength of my academics instead of my jumper. The second tech said, you're on. They bumped fists and I wanted to strangle each of them. From where I stood, all I could see was about an inch of flesh sticking out of Piper's mouth. Ibaka stepped in. How about a little respect for the deceased? They laughed. Right on, we got you. To them, we were just old school, just dinosaurs following rules that no longer existed. Hendrick stepped up to see what the techs had going. I could tell he still wanted to develop his butcher theory. With the forceps, the first tech removed the meat. By its length and thickness, I could see it was an Achilles. He'd been right, and I hadn't taken anatomy for nothing. The other tech held up his 20. Double or nothing, it's his. Who else would it belong to? Fine, fine. They exchanged the bill. Ibaka frowned. Where do you find these kids, I asked. She shrugged. You know how it is. They all think they're on an episode of CSI or something. <laughs> As the tech slid his finding into an evidence bag, I saw the bite marks on it that struck me cold. Our guy had done this when Piper was alive. Thank you very much. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I want to thank Chris Irvin for setting up that event at Noir at the Bar, and I want to thank my students from Harvard Extension School for showing up in mass to support the reading. I had a great time there on Newberry Street, sort of a homecoming for me as I went back to the street of my youth where I used to go for dentist appointments and all that good stuff. 
I'm happy to be here giving you guys some audio content again on the blog. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you'll show your support by dropping me an email, friending me on Facebook, or hitting me up on Twitter. There's lots that we can do to promote the sales and publicity of Everyone Pays. And if you're down to get involved, I would love to hear from you. Thanks. In the immediate, one thing you can do is do five-star reviews on Goodreads and Amazon. They would love to hear your opinions there on the book. Hopefully you've read it, and if you haven't, pick up a copy. If you haven't read it and you would like to leave a review to help, hopefully you've gotten a sense about it from this reading or the one from Hawaii or the audio of my reading in New York City. All of those are on my blog at SethHarwood.com. I hope you'll check them out. Uh, and if you need some more help writing a review or you'd like me to proof it for you because you're nervous about reviews that you post on Amazon, I'll be happy to do that. You can ping me on Facebook or any of those places or just email me, Seth at SethHarwood.com or SethHarwood at Gmail. In general, I would say I'd love to hear from you guys. It's always awesome to get a letter from a fan, hear what you guys think, uh, and even just to know that you're out there listening. Sometimes with the podcast, it's hard to tell if anyone's out there, especially when I have been sort of off the map for a little while. But I have more content planned for you guys. There's a Q&A from the New York reading that I'll be churning out soon. Um, I'm going to do that with video on the site, but also as audio for you. Um, and I'm thinking about some other projects where I can release some audio for you to let you know that the book is here and that we're still out there in the potosphere. So drop a line. Let me know what you would be interested in hearing. I've got some alternative sections about Father Michael, uh, some things about Clara Donner, and some other pieces that I could give you in the audio realm. Drop a line and let me know what you think about it. SethHarwood at gmail.com is the best way to get me, and I promise I will write back. I'm here in Massachusetts now doing my thing. Uh, not in the Bay Area anymore, but I'll be back in the Bay Area this summer, and I'll have a few events there. So stay tuned for the blog and on my Facebook feed if you'd like to come out to those events. One of them is a reading group in July that I've already got scheduled at someone's house in the Potrero District, right near where Clara Donner lives. So if you'd like to come to that, do let me know. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back soon with more information. Stay tuned to the blog. Sign up at iTunes or on FeedBurner or any of the ways that you like. I'll be back at you soon with more. And I say adios. Keep it locked. Stay criminal. You have been listening to a podcast recording featured at SethHarwood.com. This is your boy, Seth Harwood, coming to you live from the studio, where I'm working on a new Claridonna book and the latest release, Everyone Pays, is now out in stores. Check it out at Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. <laughs>